to another episode of Failing Forward. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, comment, subscribe. If you don't enjoy the podcast, I do not know why you're listening. Anyway, uh, I am joined here uh, by a comedian and friend, Jay Monopar. Howdy. And we have, uh, we have a couple things in common. We are comedians. We are baseball fans. Uh, I am a very amateur carpenter, and that is something you are quite good at. I'm a medium. I'm, I'm a schmedium carpenter. You're a schmedium. I'm, you know, I'm trying. And I'm to... a schmall. You're a schmall. If you're, you're a schmedium, I'm a schmall. You're a sh- sh- petite. Yeah, it's because I see the stuff that you post on your Instagram, and yeah. it's gorgeous work. Oh, thanks. And it's you're welcome. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's uh, no, well, those exactly. are nice mirrors. <laughs> no, it's, it's a very nice mirrors. It's a lot of work. Uh, yeah, it's your. It's something you're very good at, and that led you to host a television show. Yeah. Uh, you were the host of Ellen's Design Challenge mm-hmm. on HGTV. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellen, for those unfamiliar, is Ellen. Mm-hmm. Not Elon. Yeah, not just someone named Ellen. Yeah, My mom's <laughs> named Ellen. wasn't her show. Is your mom's name Ellen? My mom is named Ellen. She's not quite as famous. No, but no. you can buy Ellen DeGeneres apparel and oh, you and can just give it to her. Just give it to her. And yeah. she can think you're making custom items for her all the time. That is brilliant. It's already pre made. That is, per- that is, all right. Uh, <laughs> excuse me for a moment while I go to the Ellen DeGeneres store. So, uh, yeah, so you hosted, a, you hosted a television show. Yeah. Um, with, and, and look, HGTV does these new one off shows all the time, mm-hmm. but yours was produced by Ellen. Yeah. And, and A. Smith, who uh, is one of the, biggest reality television uh, production companies there is. I mean, they are yeah. tops of the game. I mean, American Ninja Warrior, other things, other stuff, and yeah. other things on top of that. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. they, I Dwayne have... Johnson's new show, that's A. Smith. I mean, they have ridiculous amount of Emmys. You go into their office, and it's just like a wall of Emmys for their reality shows. I have had pitches turned down by them. Me too. So, yeah. Me too. After the Ellen show. They're like, yeah, we'll bring him in because uh, we feel bad, but, you know, yeah. get out of here. He's kid. already on payroll. There's right. less paperwork to fill out. <laughs> right. so. We don't have to go and get him through security. We know who he is. Yeah. Um, now, one of, I, I believe I first met you at Westwood. Bruco, Westwood man. Westwood Bruco. Because you moved here the same year I moved here. You moved in 04. To, 04? Yeah. yeah. Weren't you in 04? Yeah. I was 04 also. So was Adam Hunter, which is how yeah. I was at Westwood. And that was, th- when I moved here, that was the scariest room I've, I'd ever been in, in my life. Elaborate on that. Because, okay, so I, I came from Boston doing comedy in Boston. And, yeah. And, it, you know, for those who don't know, L.A. comedy and East Coast or Boston comedy specifically, completely different animals. Yes. You know, Boston is all about the joke writing and the craft of writing the joke, right? And the audience is expected. They they like, oh, that was quite witty. You know, they like they loved that. Like the, the Wh- terms Where in of, Boston were you performing? In the English <laughs> Cultural Center of Design. I don't know. Yeah, that was, you, like, <laughs> it was just, yeah, just, just at uh, that was really just fucking, shows at Harvard. That fucking thing was really fucking witty right there, guy. Yeah, I was you know, about to say, like, I've done shows in Boston, and, and I think you're making them out to be smarter than they well, are. I lived the, where I was working out, yeah. basically, was at the, uh, the comedy studio, which was in great between room. MIT and Harvard. Yeah, great room. And now I totally understand because right. that was like comedy studio was it was it's like alty but not really. Yeah, it's like it it's like you, mainstream alt. It's ma- it's it's a weird. It's like a B side of an alt CD. And people who came out of that scene that uh, listeners might know, Mike Kaplan was yeah. a regular at the studio. Josh Gondelman, who is mm-hmm. now uh, a writer for uh, for John Oliver. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and some really wonderful, wonderful comics came out of that. Scene. Huge, huge comics. Yeah. Uh, the what is that? I forget. I'm bad with names. The dude that usually he does comedy specials with like. Uh, boards where he's drawing stuff on them. But Dimitri Martin. Dimitri Martin, he came yeah. out of there. Like, you know, there's a lot of alum that came out of there that was like, th- and that is sort of on the alti side, you yeah. know, a little bit. But, yeah, but all great writers. Yeah, so and I remember I remember when a comic being on stage and Rick, the, the owner, the, the comic was like kind of going into the audience a little bit mm-hmm. and Rick in his little sound booth turned and punched the wall and said, get to the fucking joke! It's about the joke! Wow. And he punched the wall. Like, you know, blood's coming out of his eyes so furious about Because he it. was doing crowd work? Yeah, because he was, like, just veering off the path of the written material, the prepared wow, set. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and also, like, I don't know Rick well, but from the times I met him, he was always very calm. And oh, yes, get him behind man. the booth, though. Yeah. Had, like, he had a, he had a, because he got nervous, not nervous, but he was very regimented about what he wanted his show to be. That's why he still hosts every show that's there, pretty much, yeah. you know? And and then so I moved to LA and I started just doing that those those jokes like that like the written jokes yeah and I I, I distinctly remember the audience like as soon as they could smell something preconceived I yeah. felt like they just shut me off they just shut you off because they're like well he didn't come up with this in the moment yeah I, you know it, it was just a different thing so I had to. And and the thing that was scary here, we're getting back to Bruco. The thing that was scary about Bruco to me was, wait, wait, before we get to that, yeah. I want to talk about what we just said for a second. Yeah, because there there are mainstream clubs in LA, right? And then there are these more alti experimental rooms, and I had to make that same adjustment right. because I like being prepared, right? Yeah, and yeah. while going into the crowd is one of my strengths, mm-hmm. the idea of having a joke that I give a shit about that I actually worked on right you know and so the adjustment I would make when I would play those rooms I would leave the mic in the stand really because it would make it look a little bit more like I didn't care right and that's like what it was so dumb that those audiences wanted that and I, I would watch comics go up with like notes on a piece of paper or right. on their hand or something and meander through a half-assed story that wasn't that funny and do really well. Crush, yeah. <laughs> because they're like, they, I, I think because so much of those audiences are aspiring whatevers. Whatevers, yeah. Actors, singers, yeah. producers. It was UCLA's drinking bar. You know, drinking bar. What other kind of bar is there? Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, exactly. No, it was, it was the. It was their feeding bar. Yeah, like, what, <laughs> where they all went to feed. Yeah. You know, do you want to feed bar. with me today? Do you mean a restaurant? No, 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 no. no, no a feeding a bar. Feed bar. We're yeah. more fr- frontier style here. Yeah, it's a feed bar. <laughs> so, yeah, just the just the frustration of I I think they wanted to feel like oh I could do that. Yeah, and so they wanted to. And they were angry that they weren't. They yeah. would watch shows angry that they weren't the ones on stage Yeah, a lot of times. So Westwood Bruco, mm-hmm. we'll cut back to this now. So Westwood Bruco <laughs> was, it's this giant bar, or was a giant bar. Right. It's now, it was bought, and I guess they renamed it to something. I forget what. Yeah. But it's this giant bar right outside of UCLA. Um, there was a comedy show twice a week run by Adam Hunter. In the attic, like the, the annex The upstairs, attic. yeah. yeah. Um, it was a hot room too. That it, thing was like 157 degrees at yeah, all times. It would go. The show would go from oh. I think it was like nine o'clock till about two a.m. Two in the morning. Yeah. And how do you do a five-hour show? Well, what happens is it was a free <laughs> 37 show. Thirty-seven comics. Right. It was a free <laughs> show, and so what happened is students would come and go. Mm-hmm. And so within about every hour and a half or so, the audience would be completely different. 
Yeah. And uh, every now and then you could go up twice. Right. Um, or there'd be four people in there, and then within 15 minutes, there would be 47 people in yeah, there. Yeah, and you're like, how come room? I had to do the four spot? Yeah. And it's like, because you never know who but was on. But also, the comics that came in were crazy. I mean, like, if it was we, so good. If, if you looked at the lineups that were there, it would be like Godfrey, D'Elia, uh, you, Whitney Cummings. Adam Sandler came in with Kevin um, uh, James one time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I saw the Wayans Tripoli, there. the Wayans. Uh, yeah, Louis Anderson used to hang out there and not even go up. Yeah, like it was. Adam really Sandler bizarre. came in, and I went up. I was like, "I'm going to do a set in front of Adam Sandler," and I did 25 in front of Sandler. He just sat in the back yard, in the back of the room, and just kind of chuckled. Yeah, it was a know? crazy. And I think part of it was because there were enough comics who wanted to go play that room just to try to impress UCLA women. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that that because those good comics, yeah. those good desperate single comics were there, and that's really why comics are doing comedy anyway. Right. Exactly. To get like and a so, smart Asian engineer some at some point in their life. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> I need someone who is better than me. Right. And so uh, I, I I think that just perpetuated like it being a good lineup, but it really did. The reason I brought it up is because Westwood. I credit Westwood for like I say I grew up there. Yeah. Me too. Because as a comic, I started out, you know, Adam eventually became a very close friend of mine, right. and we were roommates. But when I first started, I didn't really know him. He would put me up at, you know, one thirty in the morning. And he would tell you 15 seconds before your set that yes. you were going up. Yes. Go, go now. Go. I'm yeah. going to bring you up right now. But it was such a fun place to hang out, too. Oh, yeah, because everyone was there. Yeah. Every, every was a Monday and Thursday, I think. Everyone that's famous right now hung out there all the time and that's another yeah. reason why it was scary because you were performing in front of people that were awesome you know mm-hmm. it was it was just the cream of the crop yeah and so you wanted to do well in front of your peers but then you also the audience would yell like it would get rowdy i mean there was fights i had to have one yeah i didn't took over the room from adam it became yeah. my room he gave it to me and um I remember having to, I was on the phone with lawyers because there was a night where an audience, and this is why it was scary, because you didn't know, you couldn't trust your material, like it would get derailed. And to me, going into the audience and being unsafe with what I was going to say was scary, because that's the scariest thing when you're first starting. You're not secure enough in your own material and your own ability to act quick on your feet and then bring it back around into your material without it seeming like there's, without it seeming natural, right? I mean, there was nights where I remember somebody got, some kid was going back and forth with Theo Vaughn on stage and 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 the kid jumped up to tackle like Theo and Theo chest kicked him, knocked him backwards. He rolled two times Whoa. and I had to do lawyer shit like, you know, throughout throughout that week. It was a whole thing. I had to talk the guy down. He's like, My father's a lawyer and this is the end of this place. Yeah. One guy slammed a um a pint glass. I, he was coming at me. I mean, he slammed a pint glass and then then showed me the broken thing like he was going to cut me. I was like, what are we, in fucking prison here? Yeah. This is ridiculous. Also, be like, dude, you're a junior studying civil engineering. <laughs> right. Like, what? This yeah. is what you want to do right now? Oh, there's another set. I was on stage. I was going back and forth with this guy, and he stood up, and he starts running towards me. I don't know how Ramsey did this, but Ramsey Moore was in the sidelines. Yeah. He straight up tackled this dude, knocked his hat off. Ramsey, by the way, who's no longer with us. Right. Um, Ramsey was an enormous guy. He's like 500 pounds. Yeah, Ramsey was a big dude. And he hit this kid. <laughs> he just fell over. Like, yeah, that kid must have just bounced off the wall. Yeah, it was as if the pyramid fell over on an ant. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's what happened. One of my favorite comedy moments happened there. 
not not violence. Right. Um, so Adam would bark people in. Right. And he, there was this one group of people where he said, if you don't laugh, he goes, sit there for an hour. If you don't laugh, I'll buy you your drinks. Right. Now, of course, it's it's a murderer's row of comedians. Yeah, it's the 1927 Yankees. And there was one guy who was just desperately trying not to laugh <laughs> and to watch this guy. And meanwhile, like the day he's with is having a great time. Yeah. And he's just like... Because he wants a beer so bad. He just, and I'm just like, dude, it's like six bucks. Just buy a beer. Yeah. And he's just, so he's just like almost exploding, trying not to laugh. It's not coming down his mouth. It was amazing <laughs> to watch. And, and it had to have been, I'm sure it had to have been rough on the comedians. I had already gone up when yeah. it happened. So I just got to sit there on the side just watching this guy yeah. just just eat himself from the inside trying not to laugh. It was yeah. wonderful. Anyway, okay. That's where I cut my teeth, though. Enough yeah, reminiscing. Yeah. Enough reminiscing. So, uh, which we could do for a very long time. On, on uh, We're going to have to pay for the rights to that. No. So I don't even know what that was. Yeah, so, so Then you have to, you have to pay for the rights because I'm sure nobody else does. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, I, I want to talk to you about, you know, as the show is about, it's about failing on the way up. Yeah. And so... You know, we're reminiscing about times that we were all failing constantly because that's what we were there to do. We were there to try things, watch what worked and watch what didn't and mm-hmm. learn from it. But, you know, I'm I'm curious because, you know, you're someone who then turned that into, you know, having your own television show mm-hmm. and having this dual career of both being a comedian and also being a carpenter, which is not yeah something that is maker, yeah. yeah this is yeah what's the right designer word? i i don't know i'm kind of a i kind of throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks which is i don't even understand that statement so cook. because who who is throwing spaghetti against a wall when i was younger that's how my mom taught me what to see you, if it was ready wh- and what did your kitchen look like i mean was there just, was just there, a war zone just of spaghetti war, just, <laughs> no you don't throw the whole pot out there you take like you took a, a hand strand full. and th- i imagine people sticking their hands in like boiling water and just hawking a, a wad of spaghetti against yeah, the wall the wall was covered in spaghetti and my hand was covered in blisters <laughs> yeah. that's what it was um, oh you were cooking pasta the other day <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, just, was, <laughs> were just, you burning a witch what yeah. happened you get too close to the fire <laughs> it was uh i think that's just one of those like old school things that that's how people used to do yeah. it before they had thermometers maybe yeah, thermometers but yeah. yeah but that was one of uh <laughs> that was one of the ways i learned to cook yeah. so yeah well, to, right now i i label myself i guess a craftsman okay right because I, I i actually can do i do whole home renovations i just got done with a seven-month renovation of a 1950s wow. place up in up in the hills of uh Studio City. Um, I mean, and I, I tore the floors out. I re, refixed. I fixed all the the subflooring. I put overlayment over that. Yeah. Then I I laid hardwood flooring down. I tore down some walls. I built some new walls. I did stonework. I did masonry. Jeez. Uh, I built uh, a four hundred pound white oak main entry door and reframed it. Put it in, and then I did sixteen feet of custom. I make all this stuff. Yeah. Of, uh, a uh, glass panel um, 
French doors kind of things. It was sixty. It was five different doors. I could have made like an uneven end table to help you out yeah, if you needed you that. Yeah, you could put that aside, and that would be yeah. like a sort of Picasso esque yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, yeah, except if I was trying to make an uneven one, it might end up even. Yeah, which well, would that's be the real do. problem. Do the Costanza thing. Just do the opposite. Yeah, it'll come out perfect. Exactly. Um, um, so I want to feel. I want to feel. I want to hear. You want to feel me? I want to hear <laughs> your fail. Fail. I want to feel wanna your fail. Heat. I want to fail your. <laughs> I want to. He's so nervous around me. Oh my god! It's just you know <laughs> what. These, I, I'm, it's like you performing in Westwood. It's the same right, thing, yeah, that's you know. What's happening. So I, before we go, I want to know if this is made of. Is this what the the tabletop covers here? Is this what stuffed animals are covered in? Uh, I think this. Did you ever see Never Ending Story? Yeah, I sing that song to my wife over and over on a loop because she hates it. I. <laughs> but you well, know that what? Doesn't I make do? the joke as well. I was gonna say this is like the inside of that beast. Oh yeah. This right. is where we got this. Uh, the, I don't know. It's like felt. It's. I think it's, it's just a blanket. It's just to deaden sound. But anyway, okay. Yep. So <laughs> I want to hear your failure story. But before we do, we're gonna come back for it. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and pay the bills. Right before the break, we were teasing the uh, your failure story. Oh, yeah. We were also teasing the maker of these tabletops, who is an avid listener, Who's by the way. A- and, and tied up in the corner right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the felt from his tabletop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your, your, own, uh, your own device did you in. <laughs> yeah. So stabbed with your own sword. Um, so, Jay. Yes. Uh, tell, tell us <laughs> I about feel like a teacher being tell us about when things sucked. What's, tell me, tell us about what's your failure uh, story. I want to hear it. Okay, well, uh, you know, I I had been doing stand up just like all of us here, and then going in for host based stuff. I you know I I I was one of these comics that I because I came from Boston. The the Boston comedy scene is different from the LA comedy scene in that in Boston the best comic in the room is the host. Yeah. He hosts the show. It becomes his show, which makes a ton of sense. That's what it's supposed to be here. Right. Yeah. But it's not. The host It is in here, New York that way, too. The it's... host in L.A., if you guys don't know, is the the dog shit comic of, like, it's... Not the, always. No, no, the up-and-coming comic. Not always. Some people realize that, like, because the, the, the fact of the matter is, is hosting is a different skill than just being a stand-up. Exactly. And also, uh, that once you become a headliner, where do you go next? You become a host. Right, because of a show. After headlining, you host a TV show, mm-hmm. you open for bigger comedians, you host the Oscars. Right, you know, like you need to know how to host, and it is an absolute skill. So I ended up, I, I, I loved the, I loved hosting so much because yeah. I understood what how important it was for the show. If you had a bad host, you could have a bad show, even with a pretty good lineup. Absolutely, because you need to. Le- different comics have different energy. You have to level the playing field. If one guy kills, and you know the next guy is a low energy comic, you have to do something to bring that energy back down to his la- level. You know, yeah. so to set him up. If it's the opposite, you got to bring the energy up for this next comic that's going to be a high energy guy. You know, um, so and you have to save the day when people eat. You know, crap on stage. You, have you to can bring, say shit. It's yeah, poop, poop, poop. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. So <laughs> like Jay doesn't know how to curse. It's a weird. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Shite. Yeah. Um, so I was taking you know hosting classes at Marky Costello's, Lou Costello's like granddaughter or something like that. Yeah. And I was learning how to host. So I was going, but I was going out for all this stuff, and I almost became the host of. I, we shot the pilot for, um, uh, you know, bloopers with uh, 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 the blooper the show that started all the blooper shows. Um, I, I'm so, I tell you, I'm bad with names. Yeah. He died. He he hosted all of the, the New Year's Eve stuff. He never aged. Dick Clark? Dick Clark. Dick Clark was the original host of the Bloopers I love show. that you 
you didn't know his name and you just said he died and I just went Dick Clark. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you did say the New Year's thing. <laughs> the but New Year's still. thing. So I was going to be the new Dick Clark, like On bloopers. bloopers. Yeah, wow. I was blo- it was bloopers with Jay Monpar made by Dick Clark's company. And then, wow. Then he died, and then that show that went away. So that show died too. That show died with him. So where has the, in the process of that? We shot the pilot. So you shot the pilot, and we were like in the process of going. It was they were they were deciding between this and another show to fill this spot. Um, and then in that process, it just went away. So that, the death of Dick Clark profoundly affected you. And that's the name of my autobiography. But in a different way. Well, no, you'll, your autobiography is going to be called The Death of That Guy. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, do you remember the, that the guy? thing? <laughs> remember that guy? It's a very long title. It'll just, it's just, just an acronym. forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I had been doing these, you know, I'd, I'd been going out for all sorts of stuff and I'd come close, right? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the pilot for a second, though. Yeah. Because I want to know more about the process in that. And and let's let's dig into that, because how long of a process was it? It was a short process. It was weird. It was New Wave shot it. And mm-hmm. I was with New Wave at the time, which was actually an exciting thing for me because when I lived in Boston, I went out for Last Comic Standing. And it was this thing where, you know, it's outside Faneuil Hall. It's 14 below zero when yeah. they're shooting this thing and, and all of us comics local comics got there at four in the morning and we're literally laying on top of each other for warmth and with big blankets it was if you looked it would look like a garbage pile of comics that's what it looked like i've been on that show you had yeah uh, well so as i garbage walked, pile of comics garbage New pile. on nbc <laughs> so we go in there and i remember gary gullman coming in at 11 o'clock in the afternoon or in the morning fresh looking beautiful because he's an Adonis of a man anyway. Yeah. You know, he's like a 6'4 Jewish Adonis. And, uh, I think he's way more than 6'4. He's 6'10. 6'10 Jewish Adonis. 7'2 Jewish Adonis. And uh, I remember Barry Katz came out and was like, hi, and he gave him a hug and he ushered him right up to do it. And he became, I think he came in third that year. Yeah. I remember looking at him at the time going like, I'm going to be with that company, Barry Katz's company. Yeah. And I moved to LA and I became, got with that company and I mean, instantly stuff started happening. But they were shooting this pilot and they just put me, they, there was no audition process. It was just they put me as the host of it. Yeah. And we shot it uh, with, um, we shot it with like the producers of. Uh, Don't try to remember the names. Chelsea Hammer. You know at this point. It's Jake gonna... Harris. Jake okay. Harris. Cool. And so we got one. Yeah, we got one. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good producer. I'm the worst at this stuff. I, and it's gone. It's gone. I'm like a goldfish, dude. I, it's gone. Steve Hoofstadter, uh, yeah. what? Uh, <laughs> so, so it's behind you on the screen. Yeah, we shot it, and uh, and we just—it was a very quick process. They took, they took. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't a pilot. It was, it was the concept for the pilot. Okay, yeah. So the it was pilot the con- presentation. Pilot presentation, yeah. yeah. And uh, and it turned out great. They loved it. I still have pieces of it in my reel. Um, and then it just didn't go any. You know, they were all excited about it, and it just kind of didn't go anywhere. It was one of those things that just kind of. Was it super meta in that it was the blooper itself? The the it was the blooper <laughs> that became a a, a sub blooper <laughs> yeah, for another within, show. Yeah. This guy thinks he's going to be the host of the next Dick Clark's bloopers. <laughs> well, we'll see how this goes after the break. <laughs> yeah. So, what? How did you find out that? It wasn't going. Oh, my manager emailed me and just said, "Yeah, it's not going." I mean, it was very. Th- this is the this is the thing I have all the time with these people. I mean, that's this is not a that's not a big story. I mean, that was like just a little thing. Well, it, no, it, but the, it, the it was idea like a of month thinking, of my life. Yeah, but but at the same time, it's thinking you might be the next Dick Clark. I know, and I was like twenty eight years old. That someday, 
mm-hmm. someone will be sitting on a podcast not being able to remember your name. <laughs> right. How? I mean, what an honor. And I would never age. Let's. Yeah. I think if you become that sh- that host of that show, you never age. That's also the weirdest part of that because, like, of all the people who, like, their death changed your future. Right. Yeah. Like, which, and obviously. He had family. He had people who yeah. worked directly for him. Like it affected a lot of other people as yeah. well. But of all the people where you're like, oh, this will be fine. Right. He's gonna live forever. Right. <laughs> was, nope. No. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 to be honest, before that even happened, it was between me and my show and another show, and they still liked it and it was on the dock and it could happen. But then they chose this undercover uh, prank show. It was when all those prank shows were really. Hop yeah. and it was just after uh, you know uh, Glee, a Glebe show, yeah. you know the the, the wedding crashers. crashers show and and all that and punked and stuff like that. So they were really high on these things. So It'd they, be super funny if you were like, yeah, and they just tr- they just ended up with this other prank show. It was called uh, Punked. I think. Punked. Yeah. Punked. Punked. Yeah. yeah. Is there an umlaut? Yeah, punked. <laughs> punkin. It's called it's, punkin. Every joke has every prank has a pumpkin involved yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> And a, and a heavy Midwestern woman pops up to the screen and goes, Punkin? Yeah, and then that's the show. <laughs> yeah, Punkin. Uh, there are worse pitches that have been greenlit. Yeah, I know. So, so, so they chose moved, this other show. Yeah, and so I just moved forward and started auditioning for other stuff, like Talking Head stuff on VH1, all this, you know, all those yeah. things, all those Talking Head things. And I got to the point where I'd been, <clears throat> you know, I, I was a good host. In fact, when I, in stand-up, if there was like a Letterman showcase for other standups, they'd bring me on to host that show yeah. to to make it good for these other comics. So um, so I got to a point where I didn't even care about what I was going out for. Mm. I was so over the whole thing. I got yeah. to that breaking point where it's like nothing mattered anymore. And <clears throat> that's the interesting thing. When you don't give a shit, that's when you get the thing. Yeah. And this business is so fucked up in, in that, you care so much about making it or about you know becoming this thing that you've always dreamed about becoming and then you have to get to a point where you don't care about that anymore until you become that so when you become that it's almost like you don't care anymore yeah it's you know the phrase youth is wasted on the young yeah and you know and there are similar phrases you know there's the money is wasted on the rich mm-hmm. and it's it's the same type of thing it's and and so every success becomes not exciting like yeah. you're, the more success that's why these guys feel like these guys kill themselves because the, the as successful as they get it's still not enough it's never it's well because never, because we it's never exciting enough yeah well we eventually learn to not be excited by it at all yeah it's a self-preservation method yeah but th- that's the terrible thing because then you start saying to yourself like is not is life not exciting no but you know what my trick is what's the uh quaaludes every well aside from the quaaludes uh-huh. obvious yeah um, my trick is every so often talk to someone who doesn't know anyone in the business. Yeah. Because they will get so excited about everything. Everything. And they, it's the same way that like born and raised New Yorker, mm-hmm. uh, don't really appreciate what it is until an out of town friend was visiting. <clears throat> right. And then I would show them around. And like, whoa. And then, yeah. And they'd be like, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm like, it's just, it's Central Park, it's, man. Right, right. It's, it's the biggest park I've ever been in. Uh, yeah, like it's trees. Yeah, yeah, it's where my high school is, yeah. like a couple blocks from here, you know? It's ridiculous. And so having someone who has appreciation for it, yeah. especially because if it's someone who's close to you, then they're used to it. Right. But if it's someone who's like, you know, a casual friend, someone you talk to every so often, catch up with that person and right. you'll appreciate 
you'll appreciate what you do because they'll appreciate what you right. do. Right. And I think that that's a that's an important little. Strategy. Oh yeah, you have to ground yourself. Like we live in a crazy place. Yeah, we have to, we this is nuts. All of it's nuts. Yeah, we have velour tables. Right. Yeah. Like we what have, a weird life. I feel like this is some fetish, some furry. I'm just gonna hold it up in case yeah. people can't see on the camera. Ah, oh, so, so delicious. There it is. It's so, so delicious. Nice. So I end yeah. up going in for this thing, and I don't give a shit. I don't care. This is uh, Ellen's this design is, challenge. This is. I, I didn't even know what it was. My yeah. my agent sent me a thing, and he's like, "Yeah, it's this uh, home furniture or something." show you know you do work right you do yard work you do you build things my you no rake right they, they, you rake? you're a gravelier right yeah. yeah yeah i work with gravel a lot yeah and so by the I was way like, that is so perfectly representation <laughs> like i applied once i or i reached out to a manager because they were doing some kind of political thing yeah and I was like, yeah, I would love to do this. And he's like, you don't do political comedy? I was like, I don't like you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, and I hate you. Goodbye. Yeah. So I go in there, and it's the copy is huge. It was a huge piece of copy. It was like two pages, single space. Yeah. And normally I would get like caught up in you making that perfect. And I the lesson I learned was I went in there, and I nailed this thing on the first take. The first take, and I hit it. Like incredible! It was it was one of the best auditions I've ever had in my life. W- were you off book, or were you on a prompter? Or? I was no. I just because there's something that happens in your brain. I think when you try to get every word perfect, your brain starts searching for what words are coming up instead yeah. of instead of you being in the moment. So you just knew what the beats were. I knew what the beats were, but as a result of that, I actually hit every word pretty much. For and I went wow. off book and came back into the thing. It's that stand-up thing where you can do jokes. You go into the audience and you come right back in where you're supposed to. Yeah. Or, you know. So I do the thing. Yeah. Thanks. I leave. I get a call back for it like two weeks later. I'm like, my agent calls me. He's like, oh, you're going back in for that thing. I was like, what, what thing? Because I'd had you're all these the gravel auditions. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, right. You're, you're so laying gravel. I go back in and I do it. I do two takes great thanks like a month and a half later and i and i have a thing where i when i do auditions i forget about them immediately yeah when i walk out i don't even know where i've been i don't know who i've talked to i don't care i just want a sandwich i think yeah someone asked me recently about uh there was a movie that like with a very big company and it would be a very big movie that i like pitch an outline for and they were very interested in it and they need to like get it approved by other people in the company. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine asked me how that's going, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I did that. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. a month ago. But but it's because there's so many irons in the fire at oh, all yeah. times, you can't obsess right. over one. So I ended up going two months later, maybe yeah. a month and a half later. I go back to my parents' house in Massachusetts, and I'm like helping my dad. He's an antique uh, dealer and refinisher of uh, furniture now. He used to be a superintendent. And I'm going through and we're designing his barn. He just had Amish people build. Yeah. And uh, literally Amish people. They wouldn't look my mom in the eye. Um, wow. And uh, this is, I hate that we're almost out of time. I know. That would have been. A, <laughs> that'll be next episode. So I get a call. Hey, you got that show. I was like, what What show? He's like, the show where you did the with the building stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. What is, you know, what is it? And he's like, no, no, it's a big show. I'm like. Okay, so what is I have I don't want to have any hope right at this point. And he goes, "It's a sh- it's Ellen DeGeneres' show." I was like, "I didn't even know she was a part of this thing. Like I didn't read anything going in. I yeah. don't read who's the producers. I don't read anything." Yeah, read, you just I read the copy and I go do thing. my job. Yeah. So then he's like, "You got it." And we need to do background checks. We need to do the whole thing. And then I started I was like, "Oh, this is awesome. I got the thing." And then I realized like, "Oh my god, I got the thing." And I yeah. start like you have like anxiety because they, and then they tell me it's with HGTV, which I've always wanted to have a show on H. Always wanted to have a show on HGTV, yeah. 
And I'm like, wait a minute, this is a Ellen DeGeneres' show on HGTV? They're like, yeah, it's going to be the biggest show HGTV's ever done. It's with more money than they've ever put into anything. So that's got to be like at least like 50 bucks an episode. It's at least, yeah, yeah, it's 49.97. And then so. and, and then there's the, the tax incentive right. for what they're doing. There. Um, they match, they match so that. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking around, obviously, yeah. it's a huge show. <laughs> no, it's, they put a ton of money into this yeah. thing. They had a warehouse. So, so anyway, I get the thing. And then there, my, my, actually, it wasn't even an agent. I didn't have an agent at the time. I had a manager. Yeah. And he's like, well, we should probably start shopping for agents. So before I even, before I even went in to shoot the first episode, I had every door opened up for me. And it was yeah. like CAA, UTA, yeah, like WME. Yeah, host of, of, yeah. of Ellen. And I wasn't going in, like, I'd been in for agent meetings. And it's like me and the agent, maybe if he wants to be there, yeah. you know. This, I was going into boardrooms. And there were 15 agents all around the table. Yeah. And I was paraded in like this king. And I went to all the big agencies and I had my second meeting with a, a big UTA. And and they asked me a question. In the middle of my answer, the guy just says, I'm stopped. One of the guys, the head agents there, stops me. He says, I, you know what, Jay? I'm, I think I speak for all of us. And we're so excited about you. We just want you. Please come with us. Wow. Like, like, and, they were all, and they all started applauding such a dog and pony show it's crazy and yeah. and and you know i go with these guys and they're amazing like you know agents classically like people will say they don't return your calls and stuff like this if i was in the neighborhood and i just called my agent he would pick up the phone he was like yeah. here's my cell pick up the phone and be like i'm like hey i'm in the neighborhood he goes well let's have some coffee and then he would take his day off like an yeah. hour and a half and just go have coffee with me chill out he was calling me on christmas on new year's hey how's your holiday Sounds going annoying. It was, yeah. <laughs> and it was so nice. It was great. I was like, "Oh, this is what a good, you know, a right. nice." This is what it feels like yeah. to, for people to believe in you. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I made it because I, when when I signed with New Wave, the first thing they said on the call was, "All your dreams are going to come true." Yeah, you know, as they signed me, and yeah, like, that's what it's like. Says. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm, and but at the time, you believe it. You're like, "This yeah. is what it is. This is my dream. It's going to make it." So, I, I, I do the show, and it's. We do the first episode. I almost have a panic attack the first episode because they send you the <clears throat> the script, you know, a couple days before. You memorize it. You have it down cold. Yeah. And <clears throat> I go out to shoot my first scene and everybody is behind. There's a hundred people behind the camera and it's all the heads of A. Smith, of Ellen DeGeneres' company, of HGTV, of like. And, and now you have to <clears throat> deliver. And they're all looking at you like this and the show is resting. I have to host it. I have to say the rules do all the introductions like hit all the things legally perfect the words have to be exact yeah and you know you short circuit in those moments you do and so i have an earpiece in my ear this is what i had to learn to do the head of a smith a smith <laughs> was on the mic and he would read the first sentence of my thing to me of of my thing and when he was halfway through the sentence i would start repeating what he had said while listening to what's wow. coming up next that's a tough skill. and be in the moment yeah and appear as if i'm there not listening and i'm looking people in the eye and so but the whole time my brain is just listening and regurgitating listening and regurgitating listening and regurgitating i left the first scene i went back into the green room i almost had a panic i was like i can't i have to this is the first episode i gotta do how many more episodes of this this is yeah. one scene you know <clears throat> 
And I was like, with the dressing person, I was like, I sucked, right? I was terrible. I couldn't have been good. There's no way I could have been good. And she was like, you look so natural. Like, you just belong up there. Yeah. So I get a little bit comfortable. And after the second, we're in the second episode, and the head producer of everything comes up to me. And I think I'm doing a good job because everyone's telling me I'm doing a great job. And this is like the head of Ellen's guy. And she sa he says, look at you're killing the show. I said, what do you mean I'm killing the show? He goes, you're being funny. That's killing all the drama. And I was like, oh, I, I'm a I'm a comedian, right? Uh, you guys yeah. know, like, I thought you wanted me to be funny. Like, I've been told, be light and be funny. He goes, and he says, we hired you because you're a comedian, but we don't want you to be a comic on the show. Ooh. I said, well, what do I do? He says, read the copy, be dramatic, and then when the contestants are in front of you, don't look at them. So I have to look down while we're in these interstitial moments between like shooting and not where they need to get reaction shots yeah. and stuff like that. And then when, when they say action, I pop my head up and I start doing my copy and then I put my head uh. back down. <clears throat> and it was just, you know, and I got very good at it though. Like I got good. Yeah, you do it enough. The first can... couple episodes, I'm all kind of all, but I found my stride and, and you know, and I, still... I gave them what they wanted to do. The problem is that you know, we became, that became, it got over 4 million views and then rose every episode. Yeah. It turned HGTV into a top 10 cable uh, network. That that show alone did. It was huge. But they never, they never uh, advertised me as the host. They always advertised Ellen as the host. Right. And she wasn't the host. I was the host. And she was only on the other show a couple times. And so me thinking that I was going to be, known as this great host even when I went on HGTV site and they have all the hosts under a, a little pull down tab I wasn't there. on there Ellen oh. was on there so you know it, it just uh, I did you know it was great the the thing aired uh and after the first episode I got a personal letter from Ellen you know with a basket of beautiful like a $500 basket That's of Jesus nice. and it was all this great thing she's like the yeah. world's gonna love you you're gonna be a huge star blah 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 and then we air it. It becomes a huge success for HGTV. It's the number one show on HGTV at the time, I, I believe. And the second season comes around, and I just don't hear anything. And I, they didn't bring me back as the host. Wow. And they had they had no host. They had one of the judges become the host yeah. of the show because she was the head of Wayfair, which is the biggest online retailer of home goods in the world. Yeah. And it just kind of went away. And And... The problem is now I have tape for me doing this incredible show, but it's me being very serious and just saying the copy. So I don't have like they told you not. To. Right. And uh. so so then I go into all these rooms after that to pitch because I have heat where, you know, before, you know, I, I have heat. So I'm meeting with the biggest producers in, in the world, like the yeah. biggest people, you know, one potato, two potato, like all these big, big things. And um, and they keep telling me like I pitching show ideas and they're like, well, why you? Because I'm pitching them construction-based shows. I'm like, because I have the idea and I just did the show. They're like, but can you do all this construction stuff? Can you do this? I really couldn't at the time. I was an amateur. I was kind of like, I was fiddling with it, right? Yeah. But I was what the only mean? comic. But I was the only comic that actually had that skill, right? Yeah. And that's why I got the show. So, so then I not I none of these pitches went, and I got dropped by my agent instantly, yeah. instantly, uh, with an email from my manager. 
All your dreams will come true. Yeah. And and so then I went and then and then I got on HGTV doing a house hunters renovation show. Uh, we renovated my my whole home. And while I did that, I uh, injured my C6 and 7. And then I had to get spinal fusion surgery. And I had a metal plate put in my neck. I have a titanium plate in my neck. So for two years after that, I don't work at all. I couldn't get, I couldn't even get, like I used to headline clubs. I couldn't even get feature spots on clubs. I don't know what happened, but I couldn't get any work. In hosting, in stand-up, in nothing. Your agent made some calls. Yeah, right. Don't hire this guy. He's a comic. Yeah. We don't want him to be a comedian. Um, I I hate to cut you off because yeah. this is, it's I I love this story, but we do have to wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you want to see where it went 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 good? I yeah. I want to tell me. Give me the. I'll give you a quick re- thing cut, that happened. Cut to the. Everything's okay now. You in don't the, seem sad. In the two years, uh, it, you know, in the two years that I had, I made one hundred and fifty six dollars one year. That's how much money I made in the second year, $156 on my tax return. Wow. That's where I went. Like I hit, got into a depression. Yeah. And I realized that if I continued to do the things that I was doing before to try to make myself happy and successful, it wasn't going to work because I'd been beating my head up against a wall and come close to these successes so many times. And I said, look it, I'm going to just wake up. I'm going to wake up. It was my idea. What is happiness? What is success? And I said, I'm just going to wake up. I'm going to give myself like four months. And every morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do what I want to do, like what I, what my, what I, my passion is. Yeah. And every morning I would wake up and I'd start building something. I would just build. I would build, and I built out my whole house. I built my entire outside. I put in forty thousand dollars worth of work for three thousand dollars. You know, and yeah. I did it all myself, and that was I was so happy. And, and I just continued to do that, and I started posting Instagram stuff. And the next thing I know, I'm having producers calling me now, to pitch shows that are my shows, that are just for me. The, the producers of Ellen's Design Challenge, one of those producers called me back and we, we were in New York City pitching to HGTV and now it's not just I'm the host, I'm the creator, I'm one of the producers, I'm one of the guys yeah. and now I have my own company where I make custom furniture and during the days when I'm not doing stand-up, all day long I'm creating, I'm making stuff, I'm posting Instagram stuff and I have producers coming out of the woodwork so I know, I, like I know now that I'm gonna get something that I'm I actually I'm good at and I care about, I'm passionate about, so I will be successful at it. It's not like just throwing a dart at a board, yeah. You know, and being at the whim of other people. I'm now in control of what I'm doing. Well, the lesson learned is if you feel like you're banging your head against a wall, learn how to make one or wear a helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jay, tell people where they can learn more about you. Um, you can do my Instagram building site is Valmar Craftsman. Uh, and then my stand-up Instagram site is uh, at jmonopar. I'll have a website. It'll probably be called jmonopar.com. <laughs> well, not if someone hears this and gets to it first. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, uh, Jay, thank you for coming in. Thanks I really, for having I really me, appreciate it. And and this stuff you designed really is awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's fun. Maybe I'll, you want me to build tables for me? Yeah, let's do get some more velour tables. <laughs>